3: Oh, people saying they can't hear us, Grady, in the YouTube live chat. So people missed that. Darn. People missed the uh, People missed the Jaws theme song. So that's what was playing for the people that couldn't hear. I think they can hear us now. Oh, people said they could only hear the Jaws music. <laughs> Are you serious? That makes it way better. It wasn't done on purpose, but that makes it way better. Nobody- so people couldn't hear us, but they could hear the Jaws music. Okay. This is great. Sam Wilson, you think they're talking about anything interesting? Lucky for you, Sam. No, we weren't. We were just talking about my bet about the Sharks yesterday. Uh, my name is David Cotrelli. That is Harmon Dial. Our technical producer is Grady Sass. And our intern is Lachlan Irvin. This is Wednesday, January 24th edition of Canucks Conversation. And is presented to you by the great folks at HSBC World Rugby Sevens. Western Canada's largest sporting event this year is the ninth time the event has visited Vancouver as part of the World Rugby Sevens Series. From February 23rd to 25th, grab your friends and your best costume and head on down to BC Place to catch 12 women's and 12 men's seven teams, including two Canadian squads. Take to the pitch for three full days of jam-packed rugby and partying. Tickets on sale now at van7s.com starting from just $40 per day. But we are giving you a chance to win yourself some tickets, not only for you, but for three of your friends. Text hashtag sevens, that's S-E-V-E-N-S, to 778-402-9680 for your chance to win. We will be giving away a four-pack each week until the event. Text hashtag sevens to 778-402-9680. And folks on the podcast, you can enter too. You don't need to wait until, uh, you don't need to do it during the live show. You can enter whenever you want. So make sure you enter the contest Uh, And go get yourself a chance to go to Rugby Sevens. (laughs) Sam Wilson said there was Jaws music and a lot of quads arm waving. (laughs) So what it was, I was explaining, and Grady and I tag teamed this to surprise Harmon with the Jaws music interrupting my intro um, because the Sharks, the Sharks won. And uh, nobody was expecting them to, so... Good for the Sharks. Also hit the like button. Subscribe to the Canucks Army YouTube channel. If you're new here and you're watching us on YouTube, and if you're on the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the channel as well. Okay, Harm, uh, the St. Louis Blues are in town tonight. There's a chance that we might see the lotto line mixed up tonight, and we're going to hear from Rick Tocke, who spoke a little bit at Morning Skate about potentially changing up that line, but I want to get your thoughts on the idea of maybe moving away from the lotto line tonight.
4: Yeah, so we got a question about that in anyone else yesterday, and I think we both sort of agreed that we'd probably give it another game, especially just because, not for the sake of the lotter line, but you finally saw Suter and Kuzmenko start to build some chemistry, the the best performance we've seen from that line, mm-hmm. that maybe you give both those lines a chance to cook, give them another shot, especially because they've been winning. Coaches typically don't like to make big lineup changes when – um when you're in a stretch like this, but you can also understand the rationale because the lot of line at five on five has really been struggling. Just seems like they've been lethargic as a line. They've been hemmed in defensively a lot. I want to get your take. If they do switch mm-hmm. their top six line combos, my initial thought was you go Suter on the left wing, Miller Besser, and then Mikheyev, Pedersen, Kuzmenko, Hoping that Kuzmenko's strong performance mm. lately is enough to rekindle that chemistry between Pedersen and Kuzmenko,
3: I still think. I, so it's a great question. It's it's one we answered yesterday as well, but now we're now we've got the big boy pants on. It feels like because now it might actually happen. I still think it's a little too soon. Again, I'm not saying if they do it, it's it's a horrible decision and it's going to massively backfire. I just stand by what I said yesterday that I would give it one more game because I think you've you won all these games is the thing. Even when the lava line hasn't been clicking, you've been winning the games. So against a team like St. Louis, who's won their their last three games and last night in Calgary, you know, I don't want to say it was convincing fashion, but St. Louis was in there all game long. Like it never looked like St. Louis was behind on Calgary there. And I just, I don't know if you need to make the change tonight. Yeah, I, honestly, I still think you give it one more game. Like, I still think you go with the lotto line for one more game. And, and with that, let's transition. We'll continue the conversation on the other side of it, but I want to get this clip from Rick Tockett speaking about this at Morning Skate today. Line,
1: you think maybe making some adjustments
5: tonight? Yeah, they, you know, I'm not sure what to do tonight. We're still, we have our 12 o'clock meeting, but, uh, you know, we could split them, um, which is fine. You know, maybe uh, maybe we'll put PD back in the middle, which I like him in the middle too. Uh, but I, I have no problem every once in a while putting this line back together again. We'll see how it goes.
3: So, again, he didn't commit to anything. But if I'm a betting man, I am going to guess that Rick Tockett is going to split up the lot and start the game. And if it isn't clicking, right back to it. Like, if the 5-on-5 five five lines aren't clicking and they need that spark, right back to it.
4: Yeah, that would make sense. I think either way, you... <clears throat> this is a game where regardless of whether you start with the lot of line intact or you don't start with the lot of line intact, that there's flexibility for in-game adjustments. Mm-hmm. If they start poorly against uh St. Louis, because really the only line combos that have lately been really consistent uh, and firing at five on five have been the Garland line and the fourth line.
3: Yeah. I'm just, I- I'm curious. Cause i am just i am curious because if you split up the lines, you you kind of just, you basically, I think, nailed it. I think that's the line combinations they'd go with, with Suter moving up to the left wing with Miller and Besser, and then you've got Kuzmenko and Mikhaev. and quietly, like, Mikheyev, four shots last game. Like, Mikheyev's starting to look a little bit better. I know I pointed out yesterday that he still isn't able to finish, but you're hoping that he continues to take these steps in the right direction because as much as Kuzmenko has been the topic of conversation when it comes to kind of figuring out his game, Ilya Mikheyev's kind of been on that same trajectory. At least he looks like he's starting to be on that same trajectory. So I think you're absolutely right that if if they do split it up, we're going to see Elias Pettersson centering that line. And yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad idea if you're going to be splitting up the lotto line. I look... I'm still going to say Niels Hoaglander deserves more of a shot, but I don't think he's moving up. I think he's staying right where he is, and obviously
4: you were not touching that third line. Well, on that, it, I do think it's interesting to note because I'm sure a lot of fans are in a similar boat as you where they want to see Hoaglander potentially get a shot up the lineup uh, and and think, okay, with him playing well lately, why not give him a crack up the lineup and shuttle Suter into the further down, further down the lineup I do think it's interesting to note that I think it was the the after the Monday game where talking may have spoken about this. But in discussing Hoaglander, Talkit basically said that um, or maybe it was after when the yesterday when J-Pat was in and he was talking about even in relation to power play too, the idea that Hoaglander's game was excellent in this sort of fourth line role, but once they shutt- mm-hmm. shuttled him up the lineup it seemed like he lost some of the momentum in his game and that maybe there was something specific about this type of uh, deployment in a more prescribed role that was really getting the most out of him.
3: Yeah. I've, uh, I've been trying to, I I've been thinking about that since it, since we talked about it yesterday, right. Since we talked about that quote from Rick talkie yesterday. And I just, again, we love to give Rick talkie his flowers on this show. I just, I don't know. Like I, I was trying to think back to, and I'm sure Rick talker could give us an example, but I'm trying to think back of to a time where a guy was producing so well at five on five. And I know, I know we're talking about moving up in the lineup, but he also said it in the context of giving him more minutes on the power play and giving him time on the power play. I just don't know if getting power play two time would affect Niels Huglander's game. Oh, that's a slam dunk for me. Uh, I think they should do that. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I agree. And I think the top six is obviously a different conversation. I think, that line of thinking that Rick talk had offered up. I think I buy it a lot more when it comes to moving up um, in the lineup at five on five. So we'll see how it goes. Tyson Cole in our YouTube live chat writer over at Canucks army who did a, a fantastic piece, bringing back an old series at Canucks army called the tape. Uh, that Brett Lee used to do quite a bit at Canucks Army. Uh, the tape where he broke down all the little things that Andre Kuzmenko has done really well away from the puck. That's a really good read. It's over up now at CanucksArmy.com. Another thing at Canucks Army. And I mean, we'll, we'll get to light the lamp in a second here, but another thing at Canucks Army. I did it, folks. I dropped my story after talking with Elias Pettersson and these guys almost blowing the story for me. Uh, Elias Pettersson has changed his stick flex. Again, he's up to, or excuse me, down to an 87, which is what he used last season. I was talking with Patterson, The Stories again, stories up on CanucksArmy.com. You can go find it. But uh, talked a lot about the length of his stick and that the 102 flex that he's been using this season to this point was just a little too long. Usually, he plays to neck level, and that the uh, the stick he's been using this season is closer to his nose and his mouth. So uh, he's using a shorter stick, which in turn brings down the flex. Um, still likes a stiffer stick so it is a little like he has his his stick for its size is stiff for that size of a stick it's 87 flex um so it's interesting it's interesting that he dropped down um and i just i don't know i i find stick flex really interesting we had people in the canucks army comment section being like does anybody actually care about this but i don't know i think it's cool
4: especially people that actually uh play hockey Mm-hmm. They, they'll nerd out a lot about stick flex, stick length, that sort of thing. What players think. And PD's interesting in that sense because he does, I think, experiment with his equipment quite a bit. I remember a couple seasons ago talk, talking to him about uh, when he changed his skate profile. So yep. he likes to tinker. He likes to see what works best for him. And I mean, hey, whatever changes he's making, they're, they're clearly working. So And I put this in the story, but.
3: Elias Petterson and I had a conversation at training camp where I was like, All right, I'm gonna be asking you about this all season long because I want to know what your stick flex is. And he knows, like he's like, Yep, yeah, that's fine. Come ask me whenever. And then I went up to him, and was like, okay, are you using the same stick flex? Just expecting him to say, Yep, same one, right? And he goes, No, I'm up to 110. And what one, a 110 stick flex would be the second highest in the NHL. Evgeny Malkin the only one with a 115, and that's the highest in the NHL. So a 110 would be ridiculous. And I was like, 110? Like, no, you're not. And he laughed, and he's like, no, 87. And then, then we got going with the story. But that's the thing. With Elias Pettersson, people might think he's quiet. If you ask him about equipment or any, like, hockey nerd stuff, the dude just goes on and on. It was awesome. Like that story, all those quotes from him. I asked him two questions, like two questions. And he just kept talking and he wouldn't stop talking about it. And I loved it. It was awesome. Uh, it was really, really nice to see. It's a nice change of pace from the other Elias Petterson stories that we're going to be uh, reading and seeing over the next handful of months. But with that, let's get to our Light the Lamp contest brought to you by our friends over at. Four wins brewing. Let me make sure my script's right because I don't know what it is. It's not. Can you guess the team that's in my script, Harmon? Coyotes. No, it's Colorado.
0: Oh my God. Colorado when's the script from? I don't know some Dude, Wednesday that was it's like some
3: Wednesday. That November, November, December. That has to be the last Wednesday. this is this is how it works. That has to be the last Wednesday that the Canucks played
4: Okay. I believe you
3: Yeah, but... I was going to go look but that has to be the last Wednesday that the Canucks played was a game against Colorado. Anyways, (laughs) Vancouver is playing St. Louis tonight, and we want to know who's going to score the first goal for Vancouver. If you nail it, you could win a $25 gift card to the four wins tap room located at 72nd and river road in Delta enter by following us on social media. Keep an eye out for today's show clip and comment who you think will light the lamp and score the first goal tonight. Winners will be contacted directly. Check us out at Canucks Army or at Canucks Convo on Twitter, at CanucksArmy.com on Instagram, and Canucks Army on Facebook. And make sure you ask about Four Winds Light Light Lager at your local liquor store or has them delivered right to your front door through the online shop at Four fourwindsbrewing.ca. Okay, my pick tonight, and I'll be serious. Ilya Mikheyev.
4: Ilya okay. Mikheyev scores the first goal tonight. So I hate this game. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> And I never pretend to be good at this type of, type of stuff. So I literally went on Daily Face Off right now, as you were doing that ad read. I closed my eyes and I swirled my cursor around, and it landed between Garland and Lafferty. So I'm saying one of the, one of those guys. Are, I
3: love that you did really that. Run. I love that. Or score the first goal, Mister Joker, with a question. Sorry for the newbie question, but how do we have? He <laughs> "How does quads in quotation marks have access to talk to Canucks players such as EP40?" We're both fully accredited members of the media. This isn't all we do, folks. We go to morning skate sometimes, and we go to most of the games as well. I got a seat up there. But I send Wyatt as much as I can because commuting twice downtown is not for me. But anyway, no, I mean, it was actually a,
4: a fan autograph session. Yeah. For kids and quads got, got to ask yeah, one <laughs> question. I've been,
3: I've been allowed to two this year. Both times <laughs> I've talked to Leah Spiderson about stick flex. Okay, uh, do we have Frank? Frank is brought to you by the Wendy's daily face-off survivor pool game shots on goal goals against average and points per game can make or break your week, but don't overlook BPMM Wendy's bacon portobello mushroom melt. Sure. It may not help you win weekly prizes with Wendy's and the daily face-off survivor pool fantasy game, but unlike, my predictions most of the time, it never disappoints. So try your luck, but don't push it because the bacon portobello mushroom melt is only back for a limited time. If you miss it, you won't get a second chance. Sign up for Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool Fantasy today, sponsored by Wendy's and the Wendy's app. Let's bring him in, Frank Saravali. Frank, I won the Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor game last week. You're the one. That's
5: right. There was 26 of us, and I was one of them. That's I'm not going to lie. That is like as impressive as it gets. You know, I've never made it to day four and two out of the last three weeks. I've been kicked out on day one and there's 10 options to pick from every night. And when eight out of 10 lose, a, mm-hmm. you know, multiple nights a week, like you're not really given some great options there. So it's I'm not kidding. It says tough as as any pool I've ever been in.
3: It's hard. It's really, really hard. Really, really hard. Um, I was out on the first day this week. And I heard you on Daily Face Off Live. So you were also out on the first day this week. It was it was a tough week. Um moving right past that because we have to actually have to talk about some serious topics with you. today. It has
5: been a tough week in general is what I would say.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a much better transition than the one I came up with. Uh, we saw the globe and mail report today that five members of the 2018 world junior team have been told to surrender to London police to face charges of sexual assault. The players haven't been
5: named. What can you tell us about this situation? Well, it's a story that continues to evolve and, I think we're kind of, at least at this very moment in time, at a bit of a standstill because we had this explosive report today from the Globe and Mail, which indicated that five members of the World Junior team from 2018 have been ordered to surrender to London police uh, to face charges of sexual assault. No charges have been filed. Uh, you know, We're still at the point where no one obviously has been charged yet. And it's led to rampant speculation right now, which is there's five players who have taken leave of absence from five different teams or four different teams. And a lot of people want to sort of connect the dots like, Oh, this guy left and over here. And he was on that team and everyone wants to try and piece all of this together. And, I'm not at the point yet comfortably where I've had someone with direct knowledge of the pending charges. Tell me, Hey, yes, this person has been or will be charged. And until that's the case. And even when that's the case, there's this, um, you know, sort of presumption of, of innocence until proven guilty that, you know, I think we have to be really careful to not sort of paint these guys as, you know, necessarily being part of something yet, that they haven't officially and formally been linked to.
4: Frank, what's the NHL's potential involvement in this situation? Are they just waiting for London police to release um, some of the findings of their investigation before they sort of decide on their own potential punishment for uh, the players involved?
5: Yeah, Harm, that's the big thing that we're waiting for now. And the fact that this press conference that the London police have planned is not until February 5th that's 12 days from now, we're going to continue to hear from the NHL at all-star weekend, most likely. And unless there's some more explosive reporting between now and then that they don't know anything, they don't have any more details. And the league has frankly been waiting for this for a long time. Their investigation that they conducted internally has been substantially complete for a long time. But they weren't willing to go out and step out onto a ledge and say, "You know what, We're punishing these X number of players because you know, we feel comfortable in our investigation. What happens if the London police were to conclude theirs and they they have more or less information or different information than what the NHL got? They wanted to make sure that everything was kind of synced up across the various investigations because hockey in Canada, also launched their own private third-party investigation. So it's kind of about lining up all the facts as as much as they can before then making a judgment or punishment in addition to whatever happens criminally for these players with regards to their future hockey career. And and frankly, some of it may, in some ways punishment-wise, take care of itself. If you have players that go through this process and are found guilty and are doing something like da- jail time, you know, you're looking at, you know, uh, certainly a different case in the NHL's eyes.
3: Frank, you were really quick to point out the timing of that Utah NHL report. Um, you're quick to call that out. And I, I just want to say, I really appreciated that. I thought that was really good. Uh, how disappointed were you by the timing of that report coming out?
5: Incredibly disappointed because look, um, I can tell you for a fact that the NHL knew that this was coming, that, um, you know, from everyone that I've talked to, the league had received proper notice that at least something was happening, a report was going to come out, whatever it might be. They weren't blind to this. And the fact that 27 minutes later, which just happened to be, I think, seven something in the morning, Utah time, which is really interesting time to send out a press release um, the fact that they had someone step up in a prospective owner in Ryan Smith to come out and and issue this statement, which is kind of like trying to serve up red meat to hungry hockey fans. Hey, here's a distraction. Look over here. Uh, this, this isn't no one's talking about sexual assault over here. Let's, let's go do that. And so I think Part of what is so incredibly disappointing is that the NHL, they kind of just every single time find a new way to let you down and disappoint you, whether it's the way that they manage the um, Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault case and what happened there uh, and their frankly their response to it, whether it's the Hockey Diversity Alliance and how much they've pushed back against that. Uh, whether it's something as recent as as the Pride tape and Pride nights, every single time they find a new way to, you know, try and distract you from what's actually happening, from any sort of negativity that clouds and surrounds the league, instead of just facing it head on, like, guys, I, I didn't see any report today or any statement from the NHL acknowledging that potentially four or five of it's, players and or property are potentially facing criminal charges for sexual assault like where was the statement from the nhl saying hey we're on top of this we see the report uh you know anything linked to this if true is disgusting and we totally abhor like no we haven't heard one one peep from the nhl where are you wake up This is 2024. This is how things work in the modern media world. And trying to think that you can throw something over here with regards to expansion is a flat out joke that anyone's going to be paying to Salt Lake, paying attention to Salt Lake City today. And I'll give you one more thing uh, that really drives me nuts about this is. You know, people say, well, what kind of connection are you making between, you know, the Salt Lake City press release? And I saw someone else out there today saying, hey, you know, they, Salt Lake's had this plan for 10 days. Sorry. The NHL had an opportunity, especially at least upon knowing this yesterday, to put a halt to that press release. The fact that it came out 27 minutes after the damning Globe and Mail report, I don't buy it for one second. And more than that, Ryan Smith prospective owner of this next Utah Salt Lake City uh, NHL franchise should feel a ton of shame here that he was willingly acting as the NHL's pawn in all of this to try and distract us from the biggest story in the hockey world that's been simmering for the last two calendar years because It just shows, hey, I'm a billionaire and I'm willing to get my hands on an NHL franchise by whatever means necessary, even if it means helping the NHL cover up another gross story. Frank, good
3: stuff as always. Proud to call you a teammate, man. Thank you for taking the time today. See you guys. There he is. Frank Saravalli, who joined us. And uh, yeah, I mean... (sighs) It's just one of these situations that we're going to continue to watch, and like Frank said, like February fifth, we are going to find out more about this soon, and again not to not to keep talking on this subject for too much longer, but how many times, and again, maybe it was just Twitter rumors, but how many times do we hear like, oh something's good the next shoe's gonna drop on this, and it feels like we've just like we first heard about this what two years ago like it's
4: been a really long it's
3: time. been a long time, it's been a long time, and yeah, you just we all want it to kind of be over. Like we want, we want justice to be served. We want to find out what actually happened. I just, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I feel like we can't add much more than that. I just, I, uh, I don't know. It feels like we've been waiting for a really long time to at least see what the next step in this was. And yeah, we'll see what comes out after this. Tough topic to talk about, tough topic, of course, to transition away from, but we will do our best to do so in our Anyone Else segment brought to you by DoorDash. It's our listener's chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat, and it's also our listener's chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they use the code NATION25. That's all capital letters, NATION, and the numbers 25 for 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more on the DoorDash app. Offer valid in Canada. Subject change, terms do apply. Okay, let's see anyone else. Uh, we had, uh, <clears throat> we had. Um, actually, sorry, on the same. Uh, or no, not on the same. Sorry, it's different. My bad. Excuse me. I'm trying to find all the ones in anyone else. The ones in the chat. We don't have a ton. We had people asking a lot of questions about how to get a press pass. Uh, it's not like a lottery. Like you don't just throw your name in a hat and hope you get drawn. Like takes some years to uh to get there um yeah a lot of people wondering about how we have press passes uh and ty david putting it pretty nicely he said become a reporter with a recognized media organization and a following i'd say also matters to some extent um we don't have anyone any anyone else's which is rare for this stage in the show check so, folks, the chat quads yeah <clears throat> yeah folks get your anyone else's in uh cory anderson is oh yeah this isn't the same okay We want to hear your thoughts on the owners of the Utah jazz that said they have the immediate ability to bring an NHL team to Utah and requested the initiation of an expansion process. Again, I don't know if it's appropriate to talk about this too much today. I also don't think we know a ton of information about it, but we do know that the NHL is always looking to expand. They spoke about that. And we spoke about it last week when we brought up the Atlanta to the NHL potential Um, with the Utah jazz owner today, like we said, requesting the initiation of an expansion process. The thing I'd say, and I, again, I've talked to some people about this, the thing I'd say is don't completely discount the fact, and again, I I don't want to talk about this too much, but don't completely discount the fact that the NHL may not go to 33 teams and that there's one team in the Arizona Coyotes that kind of has a clock on them, that they need to hit some deadlines coming up here and they need to secure themselves a rink. That still hasn't happened yet. It looks good. Like it's looking promising for Arizona to stay in the NHL because the NHL really wants Arizona to work. They really want Arizona to stay or excuse me, the coyotes to stay in Arizona. But look, if Arizona needs to be relocated, yeah. Salt Lake city is probably a, a hot destination for them to go, but Let's not forget Atlanta as well. So maybe is there something where Atlanta and Utah come in at the same time or at least near the same time? Because when you go to 33 teams, you know, you get some awkward math there as opposed to having an even number like the NHL does
4: right now with 32. Do you have anything on the uh, Utah stuff that you wanted to get to? No, I mean, just wanted to add that Frank, uh, again, on uh, the daily face-off live show today, also drew the potential arizona like mm, Lake uh, city connection there. So perhaps it's it's not just um, an expansion possibility. It could also be relocation. So, all
3: right, here we go. Uh, Okay. Now we're getting to some Canucks stuff. Oznuck, who would be a better target for the Canucks in a trade with Buffalo Casey Middlestat or Alex Tuck. Uh, I know you're going to think about it and do numbers. So take your time doing that while I just talk out of my rear (laughs) Tuck. All my vibes are telling me Alex Tuck is the guy. People were throwing out trade proposals in the chat. And I think we were a little off, folks, because the first one that I saw, and no disrespect to whoever it was that suggested it. I appreciate you uh, being in the YouTube live chat. I can't find it now. Man, there's a lot of people here. Um, but it was like Di Giuseppe, Tristan Nielsen, and a first-round pick for Alex Tuck no
5: <laughs> okay emotionally...
3: sure let's not let's not rag on the uh on the commenter
4: yeah. who left that but who, who do you think middle or Tuck? who's a better fit okay so middle stats flexibility to play both wing and center is yeah. the plus there but tuck is probably the better stylistic fit for the way this team plays with the speed this forechecking ability the size that he has how he can get to the front of the net how well he can complement top talent keep in mind that Yes, the Sabres have struggled offensively this year, but last season, that top line with Tuck, Skinner, and Thompson was one of the best first lines in the NHL. And Tuck wasn't just a passenger. He was uh, an instrumental part of why that line was driving play really well. Not to mention, I love his contract. Uh, Signed for two years beyond this one at uh, $4.75 million. But that said, it again comes down to why would Buffalo want to trade this guy? Mm-hmm. Because he's become a fan favorite there in large part because he's embraced wanting to, to stay in that city. And of course, market like Buffalo, it's similar to Winnipeg where they have a tough time sometimes keeping top players. Uh, we saw Reinhardt and Eichel, of course, want out, although that obviously had uh, a lot to do with the tragic state of the franchise. But when you have... A talented player that's embracing the city of buffalo that much and you're a team that isn't in a rebuild mode like you want to be competitive the next two years that's probably the biggest hurdle is well why would the sabers want to trade mm-hmm. alex stuck in the first place even though i love him and if he ever was available absolutely take a run at this guy.
0: yeah i was going to mention middle stat just because he has the center availability as well and he's a little younger and he's an rfa now he has arb but you know, he wouldn't, he would cost you something. And, you know, if I'm the Canucks, I would want to, if I have to give up a premium asset to get him, I want to trade it for someone that can be around for the next few years. And you can kind of slot in to your second line center spot, whereas Tuck, you're probably best, you know, putting him on the wing. And then what does that look like going forward? Is that someone that could replace Brock Besser, Jonathan LeCaramacchi coming in, but just... Middle stat seems like the type of guy that Buffalo would want to keep and might be more willing to part with tuck. If the offer makes sense.
3: RP 88 asking about jet. Wu. Do we ever think that jet. Woo will play on the Canucks or will he be used as a trade piece? First of all, I don't think he has much value no. as a trade piece at this stage in his career. I think he might play on the Canucks. Like I think. Look, at most, Jet Wu is going to be a bottom-pairing defender. Like, that's a that's a great ceiling for Jet Wu to hit as a bottom-pairing defender. He's not going to be a top-four guy, but, you know, can Jet Wu be Jalen Chatfield one day for the Canucks? Can, can Jet Wu be Noah Juleson for the Canucks one day? Where... He's a guy that you can have as your seventh D-man. He's solid depth. He's solid depth at this stage. And, you know, look, hopefully he continues to develop. We know, uh, look, he's a friend of the show. He's been on before. Um, You know, he has aspirations to play in the NHL. And who are we to say, yeah, no, he's not going to
4: be able to do it. I say he plays NHL games for the Canucks at some point in his career. I know that Canucks management at the end of last season was really impressed with the strides that he'd made in Abbotsford. They viewed him as a potential depth option moving forward for the main NHL team. The problem, of course, was that after a decent training camp, it was awful in preseason, mm-hmm. especially the first game against Calgary where Canucks, what was it, allowed 10 goals, and woo, it felt like it was on the ice for like half of them. Mm-hmm. So it's been a tough time for him that way. I, I do wonder about his skating and being able to adjust to the speed of NHL play. I'm not as convinced that he's going to play a significant number of NHL games, but his part of your uh, depth on that, um, on that right side, he's, he's 23. So maybe there's a little bit more for a little bit more there for him to um, improve. He's still got a shot at potentially being, you know, your eighth, ninth defenseman type thing.
3: This one from RP88 as well. Do you think Alvine will get the same contract extension as Rutherford or longer? I don't know if it's going to be longer. I would actually be surprised if it was longer than Rutherford's. I would say, uh, just you know, just guessing here, I would say Rutherford prob- or excuse me, Alvin probably gets the same extension as Rutherford or shorter. Like I could see Alvin getting two years instead of three years for Rutherford. Like Rutherford got
4: three. So Elliot Friedman on Thirty Two Thoughts recently said that. Alvin's extension doesn't necessarily need to be tied in length to mm-hmm. Rutherford. That's what he was told um by a source to not assume that they're going to uh, be necessarily on the same timeline. Mm-hmm. No, look, it Did could he end hint up being... at
3: shorter or longer. No. He... Okay. Well, so he didn't hint at which way. Said, it,
4: like he still clarified. It still could be matching term, yep. but he said it doesn't have to be. Yep. And beyond that, he didn't really have a whole lot of uh, information. So, I thought that was interesting Interesting,
3: Yep, interesting to note. Uh, okay, I had a question if I like playing the LEGO video games. I don't. I, I I did as a kid. Like, I really liked playing, like, LEGO Star Wars as a kid. LEGO Star Wars was awesome on the GameCube. But, no, I haven't played it. Even, you know what? There was a new one, LEGO 2K Drive, that came out as the Game of the Month on PlayStation 5, which I have. Now on PlayStation 5, I, I play, I, I swear, this is all I play. I used to play Rocket League. I don't play that much anymore. I play NHL 24. And I'm div one in ESHL, by the way. So, folks, if you want to play me in NHL, I'll dust you. But I play NHL 24 and then I play Grand Theft Auto. That's my I almost said every night. I don't play every night. But when I play, that's my rotation. Me and my boys. That's what we play. All right. Now, uh, Tyson Cole said this and he plugged his own article, which I love. Uh, He said, I mentioned Jack Drury as an under the radar target with great underlying numbers. He has 20 points in a fourth line role should be relatively cheap to acquire. Tyson did this article at Canucks Army this week, went up yesterday. You can go read it um, where he looked at Rick Tocket's system and used it to identify five value adds for the Canucks via trade guys that you could probably get on the cheap. That would be, you know, maybe the next Dakota Joshua guys who can exceed your expectations once they arrive in Vancouver. What do you think of that name, though? Jack Drury. Well, he's a
4: good player. He's improved a lot this year, but it just I just keep going back to why would Carolina trade him because mm-hmm. they're a contender. And so you don't how many times do you see contenders peeling players off their uh roster when they have aspirations of going on a deep playoff run, especially a team like Carolina where they don't have stars like Elias Pettersson, like their top end of the lineup, they they aren't winning, they aren't going to win games that way. They're going to win games because of their, their depth from lines one to four. Drury is a massive driver of their fourth line right now. I don't see why they would break that up uh, right now, unless you are wildly overpaying. Fair enough. All right. So
3: maybe it won't be cheap to go get him. Uh, okay. Let's see. We got, yeah, we got a lot of disagreement in the chat about moving LaCarimacchi in a trade. And yeah, I just, I reiterated this. I can't remember where I said this, but I've only, I only do rink wide in this show. So I don't know where I, did I say it on this show where I said I would be moving like Ratu, Atu, Atu, Vasily Pug Coles in everybody except for the or Willander, or did I say it on Twitter? Uh, I don't think you mentioned it on this show. Okay. Well, I'll say it on this show then when I'm looking at trades and I'm looking at what you would give up for a player. And of course it depends if the player you're getting is a huge difference maker. Like again, People are like, well, what about if you get Joel Eriksson Ek, and it goes back to that same conversation of, okay, why would the Wild give him up? Sorry, Taj, but I keep coming back to this where I'm just, if you're getting help for this season and maybe next season, like the guy, like a Frank Vitrano, for, for example, I'm offering everything except for Lekarimaki and Willander. Like I'm going Atu Ratu, Micheli Pod, Colson. The first round pick is the first thing I'd give up. First of all, um. And then your players that aren't playing on this year's team. Like I'm what I'm getting at is a long winded way of me saying don't trade Niels Hoglander because he's being an impact player on this team and you need him to be an impact player even more so than he has been this year next year at 1.1 million. You need that. You need him to be that impact player next year, even more than you need him this year, but you still need him this year. You still need him on this year's roster. And the way I would approach the trade deadline is no matter how young the player is in the case of Hoglander is anybody making an impact on this current roster. I don't want to use the word untouchable because it sounds so dramatic, but you should think long and hard about subtracting from this team. Even if you're going to add to it um, in the same trade, I would hell I would, I would think twice about moving, move, moving Noah Juleson at this point, like Noah Juleson isn't untouchable. Not okay, trying but to like, he doesn't there. even
4: really have trade value. So no,
3: sure, sure, sure. But if for whatever reason, team says hey we want tyler myers we want noah juleson no you say no okay well
4: let, let's get back to the main yeah about prospects sorry sorry
3: yes i i am i am just saying that i would not trade Huggler, i would not trade any impact player on this team and mm-hmm. i would not trade any player that is going to be vital to your success during the oel bio years yeah i think that's a fair like Those guys going to be on ELCs. We've talked about that before for people that are just hearing it. We've talked about that plenty before, the Dallas Stars model, that if the Canucks want to compete during the years where OEL taking up like 4.7, is it, yeah. on the cap, they're going to need some impact players on ELCs. Right right shot defenseman is a huge position of need for this team, and it's going to be in a few years as well. You need Tom Malander to hit, and you need Mackie to hit. If you want to stay in this level of contention where the Canucks are right now, they're going to need those players to be impact players. And again, I'm not saying that Atu, Ratu, and Vasily Podkolzin are useless toward this, but I am think when you weigh the greater good of, okay, we still want to compete a little bit long-term, but we also don't want to keep all of our bullets in our chamber because we're focused on contending long-term that we don't trade a Colson or a Ratu to add to this team. The Canucks have made it clear in recent press conferences and recent interviews Rutherford and Alvin seem like they're on the exact same page that they are going to add to this team. It's not a matter of if they're going to, it's how they're going to and when they're going to at this point. They're going to add to this team. All I'm saying, and it's a very long winded way of answering the question is don't move anything on the current roster. Don't move anything that is going, don't move any of the players that are going to be impact players or should be impact players for you. Um, real impact
0: players for you during those lean years, of the OEL buyout in two years from now. Do you guys think they'd be more willing to move pods just because he was drafted by the previous regime? I think it plays into it,
3: but I also think,
0: but I also, what is the value? Yeah. Like, yeah.
3: yeah.
4: If, if, if I'm Calgary and you're trying to strike a trade with me for yeah, I I'm like, great. You want to include pod Colson? That doesn't move that like, that's doesn't even move the needle for me. No.
3: I think it moves the needle a well, little bit, though. Like, I mean, pardon, like we had barely. this discussion last week, too, that, like, Aturatu and Vasily Colson do both have trade value. Like... He would be cheap, right? And he if would you're be, a cap if, team... Yeah. If, if if it if it comes down to LeCarramacki or Colson, obviously LeCarramacki has more sure. trade
4: value than Vasily Colson. But Vasily Colson still means something to NHL GMs. Mm-hmm. Sure, but, like, the point I'm just trying to make is if the ask for a team for like the highest level player is a first and a good prospect. Pod Coles is not going to be considered the good prospect. No, he'll be, he'd be the third piece. Sure.
5: Yeah.
3: The third
4: Just because he's a center.
3: He was included in it last year.
4: Yes. But. He also hasn't lit the world lit the AHL up this year. He hasn't even been playing center for most of the time. No, 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 he has. We'll talk to Dave. He's moved back. He's moved back. But for a while, I think it, it just depends because your competitors may have a better prospect to offer. Mm-hmm. That's that's
3: very fair. That's what it'll come down to, right? Like that was what it came down to last year. Again, I bring up the Horvat trade, but one thing we've heard about that is there weren't a ton of suitors for Bo Horvat that could give up what the Canucks maybe were looking for. So they ended up getting what they got. And I'm not saying they, you know, it was a underpay, underpay and the Islanders won the trade or anything like that. I'm not trying to throw out that take here. I'm just saying that, I think a guy like Atirachu and Vasily and guys who are still young like that, and especially Pudkholzin, the high draft pedigree, right? Um, I still think those guys have value. Like, I still think they have a good amount of value. And I think, honestly, like, I think you could do a first-round pick. Maybe you have to throw in a third
4: well, and Colson for Elias Lindholm. Like, I, was, I think Calgary
3: might look at that.
4: If I w- Calgary might be a team just because they're in more of a retool and they're sure, sure, closer sure. they might actually value a pod colson mm-hmm. which i think they'd be wrong to value the immediacy of his potential impact over you know long-term ceiling sure sure if i'm an nhl gm i'll say this if i can't target your if if the canucks take le Mackey and willander off the table in terms of prospects i'd very quickly be looking at Brustevich.
3: Oh, Brustevich, interesting. Yeah, and that's I mean, going to
4: be an interesting debate for the Canucks because yeah. he has, like, he he plays the right shot premium position. I remember at the time of the draft, when he was picked in third round, immediately saying that's the best value pick the Canucks yep. made. He should have been a second-round pick. Obviously, he was tearing it up as of a few weeks ago. I don't know if this is still the case, but was leading the o- OHL in points as a defenseman. This is a player that's on an upward tra- trajectory. That's going to be an in fascinating internal
0: conversation
4: about how much do you value
0: Brustevich? and there's a world where his value might not ever be as high as it is right now if he can't transfer you know that skill set to the NHL which is odd to hear because how long have we been clamoring for this team to get more right shot defensive prospects let alone guys that can lead the OHL in scoring so Exactly.
3: When you have that, you get a huge bump. And again, we're going to talk to Dave Hall tomorrow, and he's going to have a lot for us tomorrow. I think tomorrow's going to be a very busy episode uh, with Dave Hall joining us. Going to be be a good one. Dave Hall is going to join us. People have been asking, where's Dave Hall? Where's Dave Hall? He's coming tomorrow. He'll be on the show. Um, All right. Let's close anyone else there. There's a lot of people in the chat today. A lot of people with some hot takes. Andrew said there are some spicy takes in the chat today. Damn. And Andrew said, again... It must be quads on multiple burners.
4: Thanks. Well, if you see anybody advocating for you to jump on the San Jose Sharks bandwagon, you know, it's
3: quads. (laughs) That's right, baby. That's right. Uh, Wallach said quads read your article this morning. I enjoyed it. Nice work. Thank you, Wallach. I appreciate that. I wasn't sure if I was going to put that article out today. But uh, I told people I might put it yesterday. i got to stop announcing when I'm going to do articles because something always changes. But I did put it out today. It's up now on the featured page, uh, front page of Canucks Army. If you go to CanucksArmy.com, you can read it right now. Let's get to our Betway bet of the day brought to you by, you guessed it, Betway. Did we do four wins? Yeah, we did. Okay, let's get to Betway. (laughs) Betway bet of the day brought to you by Betway. Pull it up, Grady. Andre Kuzmanko. To score a point against the St. Louis Blues tonight, a $10 bet at plus 105 odds returns you $20.50 over on Betway. It must be 90 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Folks, thanks. The chat was buzzing today. Bring that energy. Tomorrow we'll be back to talk about a Vancouver Canucks victory or a game. We'll see how it goes. I'm calling a victory, as I usually do on this show. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down. And, of course, like I said, we'll be joined by Dave Hall. It's going to be a good week. It's going to be a good week. And then the Canucks don't play again until Saturday, so we got to fill some time on Friday. Maybe a surprise guest on Friday. We'll see. We'll see. just going to throw that out there. Uh, Before now, signing off, my name is Dave Woodrelli. That is Harmon Dial. Technical producer is Grady Sass. And our intern is Lachlan Irvin. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher
5: app.
1: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,